Thanks again for joining us this morning. We are nearing the end of our 40 days together. You know, we started this shortly after this new year, uh, committing many of us to go through something called the Community Bible Experience, where we would actually read through the New Testament from beginning to end over 40 days. And for some of you, that was a crazy idea. It was something you've never done before. You never thought you could do. And I have just been so encouraged by so many stories that I have heard over the last few weeks of some of you who are, you're creating a habit is what you're doing of, of spending time daily in God's word. And if there's one encouragement I could leave with you as we, next week we'll finish this series, the last sermon in this series. Uh, If there's one thing I could leave with you to encourage you uh, through this series is to not give up. Don't give up. If, if If you're creating this habit, find a way to transition after the community Bible experience is over into continuing to be in the Word every day and spending time in God's presence and allowing God to, to continue to mold you in the months and the years to come. And if you have been a part of a group experience, I've heard so many of you, your, the blessing for you has just been a, being a part of a group as you're learning together and reading. If, if your group isn't continuing or if you would like to change groups or whatever, you know, please feel free to reach out to Trish, who you met earlier in this service. She would love to be able to help connect you, help you find the group that is just the right fit for you leading into the next chapter here uh, in, the, in this spring. So feel free to take advantage of that. Now today, as part of this community Bible experience, we're going to be talking about um, our, our readings from the last week that were in the book of John, and the Gospel of John, and we're going to be talking about the life of a fascinating woman, a woman who has captivated the attention of Christians for centuries, though there's not a whole lot in the New Testament about her, and that's the, a woman by the name of Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is considered a saint by those church traditions that have saints, like the the Catholics and the Orthodox and the Lutherans. Uh, yet there was a time in the Middle Ages where the church thought that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute and an adulteress, even though there was nothing in Scripture to back that up. And then there have been others uh, throughout history that have had some even crazier ideas about Mary Magdalene. Like even in recent years, a guy by the name of Dan Brown who wrote the book The Da Vinci Code, right? And he said that, you know, he's convinced that Mary Magdalene was either Jesus' uh, girlfriend or his wife. I'm not quite sure, Um, but he has this idea. Um, And I won't take a whole lot of time to get into that. But um, as you know, each week um, I provide you some supplemental materials in your online sermon notes at gracetucson.org slash Bible. You can go online even now or when you get home. And one of the articles that I provide you this week is, some, is a, a kind of an explanation of what it is that he taught that kind of got so popular a few years ago and how it compares with what Scripture actually says. Now, here's what we do know about Mary. Here's what we're sure of. Mary was a woman who walked with Jesus. She was a follower of Jesus, and Scripture actually says that she supported Jesus financially. In his ministry. Mary Magdalene was a woman who was greatly impacted by his ministry. And the Bible says that was in part because Jesus early on in his ministry freed this woman of several evil spirits. And we don't have a lot of description of what that looked like in Mary's life. But there were some things that were really oppressing her. And Jesus set her free of those things. Now... When we look at Scripture, when we look, read through the New Testament, if you've been reading through, this, uh, New Test- reading through the New Testament with us, what you've noticed is there are a lot of Marys in the Bible, right? And it's easy to get them all confused. I mean, there's Mary who was the mother of Jesus, right? The Virgin Mary, that, that's one. 
Then you've got Mary of Bethany. Mary of Bethany was the sister of Martha. Remember the story? Maybe, maybe you've read the story of, um, of uh, Mary and Martha and how Martha was busy cleaning the house or cooking or whatever. It's like, Mary, what? Mary's just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she's like, come on, Mary, get to work. Well, there's, there's Mary of Bethany. And then there's another Mary by the name of Mary, the, the wife of Clopas. And all we know is that she was at the cross as Jesus was being crucified. It's Mary, the mother of James, who was at the tomb on Easter morning. But then, as I said, there's this other lady, this Mary Magdalene, or Mary of Magdala. The reason she was called that, and it's kind of like uh, maybe you robbed the Tucsonian. Um, she was a Magdalene. She was from this, the town of Magdala, which was not too far from Nazareth, where Jesus grew up. Now, what we're going to see today as we look at the life of Mary is that her life, one of the few stories we have of her, is that her life was radically changed when Jesus was crucified. And she saw her Lord, her Lord die. And she, in that time of loss and grief and fear, she had an encounter with God. For a while. Especially at first. You wake up in the morning... And it takes a minute for it to sink in. You wake up like you always have. And then you remember what your sleep let you forget. That this this person, whom you were so used to having in your life, is gone. And it's like you lose them again every morning. That was how it was that morning. I woke up earlier than usual and remembered I had to be up for some reason. And it took a while. And then it hit me. We were going to his grave. We were going to mark the death of this man who had given me back my life. This man who had seen the best in me when all I could see was my worst. And it wasn't just me. I mean, he had done that for all of us, given us hope, shown us that we didn't have to stay in the mess that we were in. I still didn't know what to make of his death. He seemed to see it coming, but none of us really did. And we certainly didn't see Sunday morning coming. How could we? How could anyone? No one expects to wake up and feel the whole earth tremble beneath their feet. No one expects to stand courtside when life beats death. I was afraid of everything that morning. The lights were too bright. The sky felt too close. An angel from above and an empty tomb. Are you kidding me? We were going in grief. We were going to put him to rest, and we found ourselves face to face with him in the middle of the road. Of course I was afraid. And then I saw his face, and I heard his voice, and I knew that with him, Losing wasn't really losing. All that was lost could be found. 
Everything there was to fear has been beat. I wake up earlier now. And sometimes it takes a minute for it to kick in. And then I remember. He is alive. And he is near. There's no grave to visit. I can just meet him down a little road. The story of Mary Magdalene, I think, is one of the most powerful stories in Scripture. What it says to me as I, as I look at this story in John chapter 20 is that from the life of Mary, we find that fear and loss are lost in the face of Jesus. Fear and loss, they are lost in the face of Jesus. As, as each one of us, as we go through times in our lives when we're, we're, kept, we're controlled by fear or by just gripped by feelings of loss and sometimes those feelings can be so overpowering what we find in the life of Mary shows us is that when we take a moment and we just say God I just want to be with you when we when we run to God in those moments fear and loss can be obliterated in Jesus presence as we spend time worshiping him, being in his presence, we can move from a place of pain to a place of joy and peace, knowing that he's there. So turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 20. We're going to be there today. John chapter 20, it's um, page 405 in your books of the Bible, if that's what you've brought with you this morning. And what we're going to see is that in Jesus' final moments on the cross, we see that Mary Magdalene was at the foot of the cross with two other Marys. And also with, with John, who wrote this gospel that we're going to be looking at, they were the only ones who were left when Jesus died. Everyone else had left Jesus. Imagine for a moment, if you can, imagine what Mary must have felt like that day. Watching Jesus die. The one who had powerfully rescued her from a terrible life, a life that was under the control of evil and no doubt destroying her. And now she watches evil and sin destroy him. As his lifeblood runs down the cross and onto the ground. Jesus is buried and he has been in a tomb for a couple of days when Mary Magdalene and a couple of other women um, go to anoint Jesus' body with spices. Spices that Mary had, one gospel says she had gone out to buy the night before. John chapter 20, starting in verse 1, it says this. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. By the way, that's John's code word for himself. That's what he describes himself. And said... They have taken my Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Now, talk about dedication. I mean, think about Mary's life for a moment. This is the day after the Sabbath. She, Mary Magdalene, she couldn't go to the tomb the, day, the Sabbath day because there were religious codes, Jewish religious codes at the time that kind of prevented you from being around dead bodies on the Sabbath day. And so she's like, you know, before even the sun comes up the next morning, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be at the tomb and I'm going to prepare Jesus' body for burial. 
And so the night before she's out and she's buying these spices and she's going and you just have to wonder what's going through her mind. I mean, it's not even sun up yet. I mean, she can't even see. And she's making her way to this tomb. Mark's gospel explains, it says that Mary didn't even know how she was going to get in the tomb. I mean, think about this. This great stone rolled over the tomb. It's been sealed. She didn't have a plan how she was going to get in it, but she was determined she was going to get there. But when she gets there, it doesn't matter because Jesus' body is gone. And in that moment, you'd know, right? She's just overcome with grief. First, they've stolen Jesus' life from him. And now they've stolen Jesus' body. She couldn't, she couldn't even complete the burial. Even that was taken from her. And this is probably... This is probably about all that she can stand. Feelings of fear, feelings of loss just overwhelm her until she knows that she's in the presence of Jesus. And then all those feelings of fear and loss just start to melt away. Look at verse 10. It says, Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. You see, the, the part that I had skipped was that Mary, as soon as she saw the tomb was empty, she runs back to get the disciples. And they're there. They look around. It's like, well, yeah, I guess Jesus is gone. And they go back home. Mary doesn't go. Mary stays there. And she's crying and she's just overwhelmed. Have you ever been in that place where you've just been kind of overwhelmed with feelings of loss, of fear? And that's where she is in this story. And says, as she wept, she bent over to look under the tomb, and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, Mary said, and I don't know where they put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't even realize it was Jesus. Another gospel, another account of this story is Mary looks at Jesus and says, If you just tell me where he is, I'll go get him. How she's going to carry him, I don't know. But she's determined. She's going to have, if she can't have Jesus with her, she can at least have the body. Thinking she was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene becomes the first person to see the resurrected Jesus. She becomes the first missionary. But she doesn't even know it yet because this sense of fear and loss has so blinded her in this moment, has so overwhelmed her that she's in the presence of Jesus and she doesn't even know it. It's only when verse 16 says Jesus calls her by name that he realized, she realizes it's him. You see, when, when Jesus spoke her name, that's when she knew. And as she looked into the face of Jesus in that moment, and she knew it was him, you just know all those feelings of fear, all those feelings of loss that she had been experiencing for the last two days, they were gone. I'm... I'm unpacking this for you in this, the way I am for a reason. I want to submit to you this morning that the same thing happens in your life and mine. 
Listen, we all have fears at times. We may tend to hide them. We may tend to brush them off and act like they're not there. But we know they're there, right? At times, they can be overwhelming. We all have feelings of loss at times in our lives when a relationship is broken or, or we lose a loved one. And those feelings can just overwhelm us at times. And the best way, the best way I think we can deal with those feelings is the way Mary dealt with them. And that is to look into the face of Jesus. You see, in those moments when life becomes overwhelming, in those moments when we think that we've got to muscle through it and we've got to figure out the answer, Jesus says, I am the answer. I want you to be with me. I want you to spend time with me. And in those moments, and some of you, I know, you've told me your stories. You know, in those moments, some of you, you've experienced this firsthand. As you've been in God's presence, those feelings that seem so overwhelming start to dissipate, right? And that sense of joy, that sense of peace can come back that you can't explain, that doesn't make any sense, but you know it's God. You know, there are two kinds of fear that the Bible talks about. There's this one kind of fear that's this respectful, reverential fear of God. And it's a good thing. The Bible says that this kind of fear, it leads to wisdom, it leads to peace, to rest, to contentment. But then the Bible describes this other kind of fear, the kind of fear that we tend to dwell on sometimes. That feeling of anxiety or terror or panic or alarm, which isn't good, but is taken away by God. You see, one type of fear comes from being with God. The other type of fear comes from being without God. One type of fear draws us closer to God. The other pushes us away from Him. One causes us to be rational and wise, Scripture says, and the other causes us to be irrational and to think and to say and to do stupid things, right? One we have to look for, and the other just always seems to find us. One is life-giving and the other is life-taking and destructive. You know, I, I know a lot of our women are gone today at the women's retreat. So let me, I just want to take a moment to speak to some of you men in particular. You know, some of, you know I, if you're like me, oftentimes we as men, we, we don't like to admit that we have fears. We just kind of want to power through them sometimes. But what God shows us through Scripture, is that we're never meant to handle those things on our own. We're never meant to carry those burdens. But we're to submit them. We're to give them to God. And God will give us a peace that we can't understand and we can't find anywhere else. Listen, this morning, God, if, if you are here today and you have, maybe some of you have been carrying around some feelings of fear, dread, things in the past, things in the present, things in the future. I don't know. We all have our own. What would it look like to, today for you to be home with God this afternoon and to just be in God's presence and give those back, to just give those away? To say, God, I, I don't want to live a life of fear anymore. I don't want to carry these concerns, these burdens on my shoulders any longer. What would it look like for you to just lose them? today 
in the face of Jesus. He's willing to take them if you're willing to give them. You know, when we're younger, our fears are much simpler, aren't they? When we're younger, our fears consist of the dark, the boogeyman, the monster under the bed, the bully at school. And as we get older, we would hope those fears would go away, but actually what happens is that our fears just get a little bit more complicated. Our fears turn into things like a fear of failure, a fear of being unable to provide, a fear of disease or fear of death. It doesn't matter what kind of fear it is. Please hear me today. Mary would say to us today, if she were here, those feelings of fear and loss, if you would just look into the face of Jesus, they'd be gone. Listen to what God has to say to you and me. You know, there are times in my life when fear has overwhelmed me. And uh, oftentimes I will go back to Isaiah 43. Because this is, this is one of those passages where I can, I can be in God's presence and I can just literally hear the voice of God speaking directly to me. Listen to what Isaiah 43 says. This is from the message paraphrase. It says, but now God's message, the God who made you in the first place, Jacob, the one who got you started, Israel, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You're mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're caught between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end because I am God, your personal God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And then Scripture says, I have paid a huge price for you. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. I'll sell the whole world to get you back. Trade the creation just for you. So don't be afraid. I am with you. Some of you today, you're in this room and you're carrying around the wrong kind of fear. You're not carrying around that reverential, respectful fear that you long to to sense as you get yourself lost in God's presence. You're carrying around this anxiety these, these burdens. And Jesus is saying, give them back to me. But for others of you, maybe, maybe you're here today and you're not in that place. Maybe you're not experiencing the fear that I'm talking about. Or maybe you have, but you've kind of dealt with that and, you've, and you're fine there. But maybe for some of you today, you're experiencing a sense of loss. Because of a loss of a loved one or a broken relationship. You know, there are a lot of different ways we experience loss. Now, I was actually thinking about this a few days ago. You know, there's at least three ways I can come up with that we truly experience loss in this life. One is a, just a loss of stuff, of possessions. Sometimes that happens. Um, and, some, and sometimes it can be difficult. But then there's the loss of relationships because of a broken relationship or a death. And then there's this third kind of loss that I was thinking about as well. A loss of faith or trust. And that can sometimes be the most traumatic of all three. As our whole world gets thrown up in the air. Grief is our built-in, God-given response to any or all of these losses in the broken world we live in. And let me just say to you, there's nothing wrong with grief. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. Right? 
Even Jesus experienced grief through loss. I mean, when he found out, when he was in the presence of Lazarus' sisters and found out that Lazarus had died, it says in the scriptures that Jesus wept. Why? I mean, Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But when that moment, what he's saying to to all of those around and to us is he's giving us permission. He's reminding us there are times when life just hits you in the gut. And grief, those feelings of grief, they're okay. They're normal. Jesus enters into that grief with us and he says, blessed are you when you're in that place. But what we see in scripture is that we don't have to stay there forever because in the presence of Jesus, when we look into the face of Jesus, those feelings of loss can be replaced with joy and peace. In our lives, God has a way of turning around our grief when we feel a sense of loss. Everyone grieves. We should just accept it and embrace it. But God is near the brokenhearted, and he's able to replace those feelings of joy, as Psalm 16 says, with joy and peace. Listen to this passage. It says in Psalm 16, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the grave. Nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made, me, made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with what? With joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You know, in the last few days, um, there, we have had some loss here at Grace Community. Some of you have known some of the women that we have lost who have gone home to be with the Lord in the last few weeks here at Grace. There are three women that I know of in particular, three women who were part of what the world considers the greatest generation It's that generation of people who were born before the Great Depression in 1929. One of those women who had an impact on my life was a woman by the name of Jean Appier. Maybe maybe some of you knew Miss Jean. Um, I know Grace is is a big community. Sometimes we don't know everyone, but Jean was one of those special people in my life. Um, Jean was uh, Jane Cates' mom. Some of you know Jane Cates. I remember so many mornings at 9 o'clock, I would look for Miss Jean to come up in that parking lot. And she was older and frail, but she was always excited to be here. And she wanted to be in God's presence. She looked forward to it. And then there came this time about a year or two ago where her health just kind of got to a point where she couldn't make it here and be with us anymore. And uh, a few weeks ago, she went on hospice. She went home to be with the Lord on Monday. But a few days before that, I went over to visit with her. And um, I was surprised to see how just in that amount of time, she had lost so much strength and weight. Her body was just kind of a shell there. She lay on her couch and talked with me. And you know, oftentimes when I go to be with someone in a time like that, it's a hard time. Because people are feeling, you know, particularly the person who is close to death, will feel feelings of fear and wonder, what's next for me? What's going to happen after this? And you know, there's this 
this re- reckless inventory I've seen some people go through is they're kind of having a little bit of fear and wondering, am, am I okay? Am I, am I right with God? And it, will, I, will I be with God one day? <laughs> it was just so neat to be with Miss Jean because when I was with her, there was no discussion about those sorts of things. You know, I'm checking in with her to see how she's doing and is there anything that she wants to talk about? And she's like, no, not really. I'm just ready. And you know, sometimes people will say they're ready because they're just, they're just wanting an escape. You know, they're, they've gone through so much pain and suffering. It's like, God, please get me out of here. That wasn't Miss Jean. Miss Jean, she was in a lot of pain. She was going through quite a bit. But it, that wasn't her reason. She's just like, no, I just, I just want to be with Jesus. I'm ready. I've been apart from him long enough. I want to, literally, David, I want to see the face of Jesus. You know, she said, I lost my grandson who died far too young. I look forward to seeing him. But I really want to see Jesus. And so we prayed together and we cried a little bit together. And uh, we thanked God for what was soon to come. You know, as we spend time in the presence of Jesus, he gives us that incredible sense of peace like Miss Jean had. But you know what? Some of us, our, 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 that sense of peace we need isn't because of a feeling of loss of, of a loved one or, or, or fear of death, but actually because of a loss of trust or a loss of faith. And I know that even in a room like this, so many of you are here today and then others are listening online, I know that some of you are here today and you're saying the right things. You're saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. And you've got all the right lingo, but I know some of you, you're struggling with faith. You're, you're asking yourself those very difficult questions that you don't even want to ask yourself at night when you're alone. It's like, is this whole thing for real? Is this God thing? Is, is, it, am I just, is this a figment of my imagination or is this really, really true? And you're, you're feeling a sense of loss because... You've lost a sense of hope and trust. Let me just say to you this morning, if that's you, if, if, you, if you're in that place, you know what? This is a place of grace for you as well. I want you to know those doubts, those fears, they're okay. They don't surprise me. And your feelings of loss, if, you, if, you're, if they're a loss of faith, they don't scare God either. In fact, God loves you just the same. He is, and I tell you... <laughs> He, God is relentless, and He is going to continue to pursue you every single day of your life. You can count on it. In those moments when you doubt, in those moments when you're like, God, are you there? God says, I am here. I've never left you. You know, uh, Pastor Chris was telling me just a few days ago about this one guy, this one young man... And he, he was a Christian by day and he was an atheist by night. He, he came to church. He was raised in the church. He was raised in a Christian family. He did all the right church things. But then at night when, everyone, when his wife and his kids were in bed, he'd go to his computer. And he would go into online chat rooms with other atheists. And he would discuss all these things that were kind of thrown up in the air for him. You see, he had... Before that, he had read a book by a very well-known atheist who attacked Christianity and said, you know, that 
the God of science, that science can't reconcile with the God of the Bible. And he decided that he had to choose one or the other and that he had to choose science rather than choosing the God who created all of, the, all of science. And his life was thrown into a tailspin. And he stayed there for years, quietly struggling, looking for answers online, trying to find comfort, trying to find hope. And he couldn't find any in the people he talked to. And then one day he decided to go to this, this conference. He had heard that this well-known Christian speaker was coming and he wanted to hear what he had to say. And after he was done sharing that day, the, the, the speaker said, you know what, I'd like for us to take a time to be with Jesus and take of communion together. And so during this time in the service, people were, were walking forward to partake of communion. And, and he got out of his seat and, and he walked forward. And he was thinking to himself, I don't even know why I'm doing this. But he walked forward and this, this speaker looked at him and said, The body of Christ, broken for you. And he froze. And he just said to himself, I don't believe that. And it was in that moment that he literally heard God speak to him. You know, um, the story of Mary Magdalene reveals an important truth to us today. And I, I hope you walk, if you walk away with nothing else, I hope you would walk away with this. That in those times in your life when you sense fear, when you sense loss, that you can take them to God. You can find yourself lost in the presence of Jesus and those feelings will start to lift. Those feelings that are overwhelming will start to subside. In the presence of Jesus, fear and loss are obliterated. And they are replaced with joy and peace. It is my prayer for you today that you will search for Jesus like Mary did that Easter morning. And as you do, that you will find him. Would you pray with me? Lord, I know that in a room this size that many of us, we, we've been able to so relate to what, what we're talking about today. Lord, some of us, we have been carrying around this baggage for months, for years. These feelings of fear, of inadequacy that we have, Lord, and we put on a good face, but we struggle inside and wonder, will I ever be able to get rid of these feelings that I'm carrying? Those feelings can be crippling at times. Lord, for others of us, there are times when waves of grief come on us from feelings of loss and they just feel suffocating. They feel overwhelming and we don't know where to turn. Lord, would you remind us from this day forward, as long as we're on this earth, that in those moments we can run to you, knowing that you will lift them, those feelings. Lord, forgive us for those times when we try to muscle through fear and loss. We try to just kind of take it on the chin and, and move on. Lord, help us see those moments as God-ordained appointments. And look forward to being in your presence. God, forgive us for those times when we look to other things to fill 
and to replace those, void, those feelings that we're feeling inside. And if you're here this morning and you have, maybe you're here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus. You've, you've never accepted him into your life and allowed him to take those feelings of fear, those feelings of loss off of your shoulders and carry them. I want to encourage you this morning. What would, what would it look like for you to let those things go today and trust your Lord and Savior with them? Maybe you say, yeah, I, but I'm kind of like that guy who was at the conference and I, I, I don't know that I have all those, everything figured out. I, I have doubts, Dave. I have fears. That's okay. What would it look like for you to give even those to God and trust God, knowing that He will meet you there? Even though you may not have everything figured out, and maybe even if you wonder sometimes if He's even there. If that's you, I want to encourage you to just pray this prayer with me in the silence of your heart. And know, trust that God is not only listening, but He's here with you. Heavenly Father, I, I come to you and I confess that I need you in my life. God, sometimes I wonder if you're even there, if you even exist. But God, I, I thank you for bringing me here today and helping me wrestle with some of these deep, dark things that I've carried with me for some time. God, I ask that you would prove yourself strong to me. That you would come into my life. That you would forgive me, number one, of all of my sins. Those things in my life that have disappointed you. That have separated from me from you. That have kept this distance between us. That I've never wanted to be there. That have caused me to doubt you. God, I ask that you would remove those today. God, I ask that you would fill me with your spirit as I confess that you are my Savior and Lord. Who gave everything to me out of love for me. God, I ask that from this day forward that you would begin to do a work in me that is life-changing, that is transformational. Lord, I pray that every single day that I am left on this earth, that I will take one step closer to you as I literally run to you with my cares and my concerns and my fears. God, I want to know you here as well as I will one day know you there. And I thank you for meeting me here today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, uh, a minute ago, I, I kind of left you hanging with the atheist story, right? I didn't finish the story. Well, let me, let me tell you how this story ends. So the guy walks up to the, the preacher. And the preacher lifts the bread up to him. And he says, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. And as I said, he, he saw the bread and he froze. And he's like, I can't do this. I, it would be dishonest. And he, just as he started to turn away from the speaker and walk back to his seat, he heard a voice. And that voice, he said, it was as loud and as clear as anything I've ever heard in my life. I knew it was the voice of God. And it said, I was with you when you were eight, and I am here with you now. I was with you when you were eight, and I'm here with you now. And in that moment, he knew what God was saying to him. In that moment, he thought back, and he saw that little boy at the age of eight who was constantly running and hiding from the bully at school who would beat him up mercilessly. He remembered those times he cried out to God and said, God, if you're real, will you protect me? 
And there was even that day as he was running in fear when he said, God, if you're real, would you save my life? I give my heart and life over to you. And in that moment, he remembered that conversation. As God said to him, I was with you then, and I'm here with you now. That day changed everything for him. Those feelings of of doubt were gone. So I want to encourage you this morning, as as you step forward, as you take of communion, I want you to walk forward just as he did. And I want you to ask yourself as you're walking forward, God, are there any feelings of fear and loss that I need to drop, that I need to give to you today?